Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with Dr. Molly Harney, who is the Associate Professor at uh, of Early Childhood Studies in the Department of Education at the University of Minnesota Duluth, and also one of our board members. So Molly, it's so great to have you here today. Thank you for having me. It'll be fun to talk together today because you are you just have a wealth of knowledge on so many subjects because of your extensive um, experience in the field. But today we're going to focus on stress and how it impacts children. And so I'd love to just take a minute and just hear from you on how your path kind of led you to the work that you've done and are doing related to trauma and stress in young students. Sure. I started my work with children and families 35 years ago as a child care center teacher. I, my, my favorite was always working with infants and toddlers. And uh, through those experiences over the 35 years, I have had opportunities to partner with families in very, very many ways. I was an early childhood special education teacher for many years, and um, that brought me into homes as Mm. a home-based teacher, and I just really, really enjoyed partnering with families as we all navigated how to support children, because it's it's a job we should do in partnership with as many people who can help us as possible, and I always liked being part of those partnerships. Um, <clears throat> through that work, I, I spent time with families who found themselves with adversities in their lives that were really, really difficult to bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, through you know getting to know families, uh, partnering with families, I interacted in, in situations where addiction and domestic violence were part of the fabric of the, the, the home environment and mm-hmm. recognizing within in those family systems the impact that had not only on the adults in the home, which we could see right away, um, sure. but really where, where children showed up um, in that uh, stressful environment, how they were asking for help. Mm-hmm. And, um, the more I was uh, partnering with families who were navigating adversity, the more I wanted to know about what that meant for long-term health and well-being, what it meant for um, community to um, be supportive. And so my kind of professional academic journey uh, took a little bit of a shift from early childhood special ed as I was heading in, or, you know, spent time in, um, to learning about trauma-informed care. And um in that partnership or in that, uh, sorry, in that work toward learning about trauma-informed care, I had the absolute good fortune of being invited into programs that um, supported families who are really, really uh, grappling with the adversities that sometimes aren't seen. You know, communities, you don't see it in the grocery store. You don't often see it in schools, but at home there's ruptures in families, there's foster care situations, there's attachment issues that, you know, manifest into um, kind of anxiety and some other things. So um, I was invited, probably the pinnacle of that work uh, happened um, when I was invited to support some families who were moving into a long-term supportive housing Mm. in the community in which I work. And uh, I was just asked to get to know the families 
And that was six years ago, and I have not left. Oh, nice. And I've been a part of, again, partnering with families as they navigate how to support their children, where food scarcity is an issue, addiction is an issue, domestic violence, community crime, violence, um, racial disparities are issues. So mm-hmm. I have just this amazing uh, community engagement opportunity that um, helps, it informs my, my work. Uh, mm-hmm. Through that process, through that work, I, uh, I partnered with an organization called the uh, Neurosequential Network, and it's Bruce Perry's work. So mm-hmm. I need to know more about the brain and how the brain organizes around trauma and um, have had, again, the good fortune of a partnership with um, the Child Trauma Academy for the past four or five years uh, to learn more about the neural network as it relates to supporting stress, trauma, adversity, happiness, Wow, whatever it yeah. is, people. Yes. Oh, well, it sounds like you have really a great opportunity in your day-to-day life to also be informing what you're teaching your students, too, that fresh knowledge of understanding the field, especially coming from the field and being a special educator and working in a childcare setting. And so folks who are training to be out there caring for children, to have the knowledge that you're sharing with them is so foundational. So today for our listeners, too, I think what we wanted to talk about is, you know, what are some of the things and the ways that we see children having challenges with that stress? You know, as you said, we see it in adults sometimes quicker than we would see it in a child, but we know all of that is having an impact. So we just wanted to talk about some of those types of stressors that are are part of a child's life and then move into a second part of another podcast where we'll talk about the adult's role and how we can be buffers to support that child in their in their growth and development. So I'll just kind of leave that to you. And, and Molly, you can just start sharing some of the, the information that I know will be helpful for our listeners. So the, the first thing I think of when I launch into conversations around childhood stress and how adversity impacts development um, is, is to really recognize that stress is part of all of our lives and it isn't our work to make life not stressful for children. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't helpful. Uh, you know, if it's toxic stress, if it's intolerable stress, absolutely. But there are stresses in children's lives that are healthy, if I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't always recognize the power of children navigating the stresses that are in their everyday life. It prepares them for problem solving, for developing strategies, for things like waiting and taking turns and having their own way and some things that, you know, later on in life are a really big deal. And either you sometimes can keep a job or you lose a job because of not having those skills. So I think first of all, recognizing where positive stress is in children's lives and that um, I think recognizing it, honoring it, giving it language, giving the vocabulary that children then would benefit from by talking about, yep, this is really hard and we're going to wait, or what can Mm -hmm. we do while we wait, or how does that feel? What's a feeling in your belly that we can talk about? Uh, And so, you know, Daniel Siegel talks about what we can label, we can, you know, handle, we can tolerate. And so helping children with that foundational, um, kind of recognition of their own emotions 
and mm-hmm. honoring them, not making them go away. The big boys don't cry. The, you know, hold your tears back kind of thing um, right. isn't helpful. No. But really, you know, ha- helping children recognize their own feelings, manage their own feelings, relate with their own feelings, uh, ask for help with their own feelings, and, um, you know, again, recognizing the positive nature of that and, and having it be part of how we support children, not a negative situation in our right. or in our caregiving scenarios. Uh, I think the other is to think about where tolerable stress, so there's three kinds of stress, positive being one, tolerable being the other, um, where tolerable stress is impacting children. So if tolerable stress are, you know, things like the pandemic actually. Yeah, right. That might be moving into toxic too, but um, so tolerable stress being a move, a family move, um, a parent in transition from a job, um, the death of a pet, things that are really, really hard and really bring up big emotions, Mm -hmm. uh, but have some transitional opportunities as well. They're not forever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so again, helping children recognize where they, that they are existing, um, what those are, how they generated, you know, where they came from, what the words are, not only to describe the, the stress, but also the feeling that comes with that stress so that children can, when they're not with a parent or a caregiver, be able to ask another person for help. I'm nice. feeling anxious. I'm confused about, I wish this were mm-hmm. different. You know, so what what we hope for while we're in the lives of children is that we're supporting them to not be with us, um, to, right. be to navigate when um, they're not under our care. And so, again, helping recognize, helping children recognize where those tolerable stresses are and that they're hard and that we don't want them. And, you know, it's it's um, part of what we're going to work through. So how do I, as your regulatory partner, your caregiver, parent, guide, mentor, support you to work through this? How can what do you need and how can I be that support for you? Um, the other, the third kind of stress is toxic stress, mm-hmm. um, stress we don't want in our children's lives or our own lives. In those cases, it's h- how do we, so toler- or sorry, toxic stress being um, that kind of stress that is heavy, doesn't go away, it's long-term, um, it causes, you know, chemical reaction in, in the body-brain system that really kind of shuts down uh, the the kind of natural processes. Um, so how, how do we recognize when children are living with toxic stress and how do we then become partners with their families, right. with their community, with them? Um, uh-huh. Again, support, give language, um, look for help if that's the case. Um, right. Again, recognize that, you know, our children, our human children come into the world uh, differently than other species in that we have a long childhood with our children that mm-hmm. other species don't have. And so recognizing that during that long childhood, we have these opportunities to create relationships, not only with the children to support their navigation of all three kinds of stress, hopefully the first two more than toxic, um, mm-hmm. 
and to partner with their families to mm-hmm. yes. recognize that again, stress comes. Um, and what do we do to support children through it, families through it? Um, one of the things we know about, um, about stress that is really, really um, critical is that when children are experiencing stress, it's really, really important that, that again, they can give language as much as they can and development mm-hmm. has differences, um, but also that the stress is as predictable as possible. Okay. So if I can predict that there are going to be changes in my life, transitions at home, um, people are going to come or go, um, and I can predict that some of those things are going to happen, I'll be able to kind of modulate my own feelings, okay. my own um, sense of comfort around those. Mm-hmm. Um, again, partnering with children to help them name it, recognize that it, you know, where the um, time, timing, time and timing of stresses might be, if we can, can't always. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so stresses are as predictable as possible. And that they know that we are partners with them in in helping guide that. Right. So I'm wondering, Molly, um, as you're talking, you know, there are some situations in when we're caring for young children that we are not able to see the full picture. And so they may be experiencing some of these toxic levels of stress, but we don't know what those are in their lives because we're not seeing their full life picture. But we're seeing some things in our care settings that may be telling us so what are some things that may be evident as far as the child's behavior that would be one of those flags to say oh I wonder if this is something that's really stressing this child out what are some things that you would would notice as a caregiver so when I think about that particular question I I'm kind of framing it through um recognizing if children have had trauma Mm -hmm. fair way yes. to frame that. Okay, yep. I just want to be sure. Uh, so when I think about recognizing your children's signs or triggers, sometimes we call them, um, of children who have had impacts with trauma, so, sometimes it's simply transitions mm. where yeah. you just a transition can be so hard for a child who's had toxic stress or undue stress or even, you know, incremental stress that has had that impact. Um, And how it shows up is if I can't predict what's going to happen in my life, asking me to get my snow pants on real fast to get outside could be really, really scary because it might have been that there was a house fire and I had to get out real fast and and I might be, that might remind me of that. Uh Um, I think about um, loud noises. Sure. But, you know, it, child reacts in a different way than some of the children, the peers to a loud noise. Mm-hmm. Um, smells can be yeah. one, um, you know, and not even a smell that is necessarily bad, but if there was somebody in their life that had used a particular smell um, yeah. and had, there was some trauma around, it might be lavender. Sure. Yeah. You know, it could be anything. The rest of us, lavender mm-hmm. is a beautiful smell, um, yeah. but if trauma was part of that smell. Um, so recognizing the behavior rather than, you, you know, assuming things. So really, really tuning into children and recognizing, mm-hmm. you know, as we know that their behavior is their language and yeah. telling us something. Um, I, I think sometimes in the work I do with um, children who have had trauma in their lives, when sirens go by, 
Yeah. Emergency vehicles show up to a particular house um, mm-hmm. that would be traumatic because it would have a memory that, you know, even the child's not fully, you know, recognizing that happened, you know, three years ago. And now this sure. is triggering me. It's, it's in their body, that trauma yeah. stayed in their body. Um, yeah. Quick movements, quick body movements. So if um, physical harm has been part of a child's um, life experience and hands are moving real fast, um, mm-hmm. that can um, mm. up the stress. Yeah. Um, even if the child is currently in a safe situation, if that happened repeatedly at a different time in their life, um, recognizing that slow movements can be, you know, an important part of um, recognizing how to support them the best. Sure. I'm thinking back to when I was doing coaching <clears throat> and there was a little girl in a childcare setting that the minute the lights went out at nap time, she just started crying every single day. And they tried everything, you know, and this, the, the providers were really trying to be mindful of, oh, okay, maybe she doesn't like where her cot is, or maybe this, maybe that. And so we, we, as we observed, you know, there was such distress in her cry that we started to talk together about, I wonder if there's something about those, you know, the change in the lighting. And so moving her cot closer to the windows, having the blind partially up so that she wasn't fully in the dark part of the room, and then having that provider do some more cradling of her so she's not all by herself on that cot made the world of difference for this little girl. And yeah, it took a little extra time for that, that child care professional to hold her and rock her for quiet time, but way better than having her in high distress, crying every single day and, you know, just causing this really big traumatic scene for the other kids too. But we really, you know, it wasn't just her not liking nap. There was more to it. There were more layers, but taking the time to think those through. And I think that your conversation today with us really has, I'm sure, spurred a lot of thinking on the part of our listeners. And one question I'd love to reach out and ask our listeners is to really think about the children in your care today. And if there are any behaviors that you maybe have been seeing in their day-to-day and now realizing, as Molly shared some of this information, that, wow, those could be some things, some of those triggers that might tell me that there's some trauma that is to the toxic level for this person. Um, we'd love it if you'd share your responses back on social media. And Molly, I'm going to wrap up this part of our conversation for now and look forward to our part two, where we're going to talk more about how we as adults can provide some buffers and some supports to those children who are experiencing some of those stress levels that really are not healthy. And um, that is something that I look forward to as we wrap things up. I want to direct our listeners again to, as always, to our website for more resources on this topic. We have great links. We have a lot of tools and resources there available through our self-studies and also podcasts. And then also following us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we look forward to part two with you, Molly. Thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.